Welcome to DBA Chronicles, the place for all things Doctor of Business Administration. Whether you are a seasoned graduate, currently navigating the DBA waters, or just setting sail on this academic voyage, you are in the right place. Hosted by experienced DBAs, we're here to decode the essence of business excellence, offering you a first-hand look into the world of DBA. Dive deep in insightful discussions, connect with the widely known and well-respected community of business academia. Be part of a thriving community dedicated to revealing every facet of this DBA journey. So sit back, tune in, and let's embark on this enlightening journey together. Welcome to DBA Chronicles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of DBA Chronicles. This is Amy, and I'm here with both Val and Kelly. We are live together with a studio audience, and this week's guest, Franklin Farmer. Welcome, Franklin, to DBA Chronicles. We're going to talk about Franklin's background quite a bit today. We're going to talk about presentation skills and presentation strategies. We may or may not talk about hair products, and we are delighted to have Franklin with us. Franklin, say hi. Hello, happy to be here. <laughs> and just please share with our audience a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So I got my start uh, professionally being a clinical laboratorian, found myself becoming enamored with administration and healthcare and moved over to the administrative side of healthcare and then had an opportunity to start teaching part-time about 12, 13 years ago. And uh, it's been very rewarding for me to uh, be able to teach the things that I wish that someone had taught me when I was earlier in my career as a healthcare administrator. And you teach undergrad students. I do. I You're do. a brave human. Undergrads are fantastic. <laughs> you are also actively in a DBA program. Tell us a little bit about your decision to join a program. Well, I was looking for something that was very practical. I also was looking for something to sort of re-energize myself because I'd been out of graduate school for about 14 years, and I didn't feel that energy that I once had when I first came out and I was a freshly minted MBA and I was ready to tackle the world. And I saw that in my students' eyes as they were like graduating from the program that they were in that I teach in, and I wanted that again. And um, this program has done that for me. I think you're the first person I've ever heard refer to a doctorate program as the fountain of youth, but we're going to roll with that. You love presenting. I do. You do. Like I've, I've seen you, you've seen you present. Tell us about some of the presentations you've had to do as part of your doctorate program. So many of the presentations uh, revolve around trying to take and distill information down into something that can be easily consumed by our classmates. So you take a 40-page complicated literature review, and how do you pull out the key components of that, present it in a way that everyone else can understand it, and follow along with you? And that's been absolutely fantastic. And I've been able to carry that skill set over into teaching. So that's it's been a, it's been very very helpful to get a lot of practice in doing that. Would you say those are crucial skills? I would. I would say they're crucial skills in terms of being an administrator. I would say they're crucial skills in terms of being a college instructor. I would say that they're crucial skills just in terms of life in general. You know, having the ability to be able to take a concept, distill it down into its most simplest form, 
and take a group of people with you such that they understand that concept at the end of the presentation that you're giving has been absolutely critical for me in my career. So anybody that has had the opportunity to see you present is leaves just completely engaged. You are probably one of the best presenters I think any of us have ever seen. How do you get into your presentation? How do you prepare and how do you work to ensure that your content is clear and you're keeping your message top of mind and compelling? Yeah, so I think that, I mean, the first thing is a, a, probably a very obvious point is that you have to understand it yourself. And when I'm preparing for a presentation, I always prepare exactly what I'm going to say in the beginning, and I prepare exactly what I'm going to say at the end. And then everything else in the middle is my response to the engagement I'm getting from the group that I'm presenting to, because engagement really is the coin of the realm when you're talking about presenting to a group of people. How do you get engagement from the group? And so having a scripted beginning is very helpful. Having a scripted end is very helpful, but the middle needs to be something that's more amorphous because you need to be able to react to the response that you're getting in order to be able to engage people as, as much as possible. That's a great strategy. So going from strategy then to techniques, what techniques do you feel as a presenter are most engaging for your audience? Well, the, the first one is, is probably the most obvious, and I'm not the first person to say this, is that get out from behind the podium. <laughs> if you're giving the State of the Union address, if you're giving an Oscar acceptance speech, great, stay behind the podium. But for everything else, you've got to get out from behind the podium. If you think about the presentations that you've seen, that you've been in the audience for, and the difference that you feel between someone that just stands behind the podium and someone that actually comes out, it, it's a completely different level of engagement. So I think that that's a really, really important thing. The other th thing that I think is terribly important is how you answer questions is important. Because I think many times when you first start presenting to groups, you feel like questions are people who are really trying to dig in and question who you are as an expert. And that's actually not true. Most of the questions that you get are people who are trying to go on the journey with you. They're trying to understand what you're talking about and you, they just need a little bit more information. So little things that are obvious are when people ask questions, actually be eager to interact with them, make eye contact. Another thing that I think is terribly helpful, and if you watch people to give a lot of presentations, many of them do this, is that when you call on the person, you take a very small step towards them. Now, obviously, you have to be out from behind the podium in order to do that, so these things blend together. But when you say yes and you point to them, take a very small step in their direction. It shows that you're engaged and you're enthusiastic about the question that they're asking. Absolutely. I think one of my favorite things during our journey was one of the classes taught on how to teach. And in one of your presentations, we talked about the concept of death by PowerPoint, which if anybody sat through a presentation, you know, it is a thing. So when you look at crafting your presentations, how do you decide what visual aids you want to use? Mm -hmm. And then how do you go through thinking, you know, what do I want this to, what role do I want this to play in my presentation? You know, a presentation doesn't reach a point of perfection where you can't add anything else. A presentation reaches a point of perfection when you can't can't take anything else out of the presentation and still deliver your message. So I tend to be extremely minimalistic when it comes to presentations. Really, they're notes. They're a high-level guide. You know, But having these presentations where there are paragraphs on the slide, you lose the room. And the other thing that makes you lose the room and the other thing that tends to happen if you have entire paragraphs on your slide, and everybody's seen people do this, is that they 
there's this tendency to turn around and start reading the slide. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> the, the only time I could think of where you would possibly want to read the slide is it's, it's something like a mission statement. You're going to read the mission statement for your organization. Okay, fine. Turn around and read that. But other than that, never, ever read from the slide. You know, you can actually watch people lose the room when they do it. People, I've, I've been in presentations, I've seen this happen where someone turns around and starts reading the slide and you can turn and look at the room and actually see them lose the engagement. So don't read the slides. It's so tempting. And a great way to avoid that is not to have paragraphs in your slides. So maybe some of that reading the slide is a fact of nervousness. Many people struggle with nervousness when they're presented. What methods do you recommend to persons who may struggle with nervousness? Sure. So, you know, someone that I worked with very early on in my career in terms of presentations once told me that the butterflies never go away. You just teach them to fly in formation. So you never don't get nervous. In fact, if I was ever giving a presentation and there was no level of nervousness, I'm not going to really be on my A game. So there always has to be a certain level of nervousness to really get the level of engagement that you're going to want and for that enthusiasm to sort of flow through you into them. So, you know, things that I did very early on that I thought were extremely helpful were I joined Toastmasters. And, you know, this was 15, 20 years ago, and that was a fantastic group. There are Toastmasters organizations in every town, every area. And I was at one time in my career so nervous getting up and presenting in front of groups that I would actually physically shake and almost black out. Like I would sit back down and be like, I don't know what I said. And you know, giving presentations and talking in front of groups is one of those things that the more often you do it, the better you're going to be. And anybody, absolutely anybody can be a great presenter. You just have to do it enough. So the biggest piece of advice I could give people, if you want to present more, you want to be a good presenter, is you just have to start doing it. So practice, practice, practice. And I like what you said. The butterflies never go away. You just teach them to fly in formation. So how can DBA students make their presentations more interactive and engaging? allowing for audience participation. Well, one of the things that I like to do is start out my presentations with a question. And it almost doesn't matter what the question is. It's that you start out the first things that you say, or if, if it's a question, you, you get the engagement right off the bat. And it sets the tone for your entire presentation. And the expectation with the group that you're presenting to is that I'm not going to just stand up here and talk to you. I'm, I want this to be a back and forth. And so asking a question right out of the gate really sort of helps set the tone for that. The other thing that I think is incredibly helpful is ahead of time, have planned points in the presentation when you're going to pause. The use of dead time, silent time in a presentation can be a very powerful thing. It took me a long time to realize this. And it, it's a hard thing for me because as you can probably gather, I get kind of caught up with what I'm going, what I'm going to say. So one of the things that you can do is if you plan when you're going to make those pauses for effect to actually say, I'm going to count to five in my head to force myself to pause such that the group I'm presenting to has a moment to reflect on the gravity of what I just said. And I actually do that. I, count five, and then I keep going. That's great advice. When you're tailoring your presentation to different audiences, what do you take into consideration? Well, you know, there's always the classic thing of, you know, know the room, right? Everybody says that. Know the room. Know the group that you're, that, that you're going to be presenting to. The thing that's often missed is 
understanding how well that group knows each other. Because if you understand how well the group knows each other, it gives you some kind of idea about what you can expect in terms of engagement. I find that groups that know each other really, really well, you don't have to pull the engagement from them quite as much. You get a lot more engagement. Groups that don't know each other terribly well, this is the first time the group's been in a room together. It's the first time that they've interacted. There's this hesitation to really participate, to ask questions, to make points and those sorts of things. And so you just have to understand from the outset that if this is a group that doesn't know each other particularly well, you're going to have to take that extra effort to be able to get the engagement from them. So this is somewhat of a presentation that you're doing here. Have it you is. blacked out or are we okay? <laughs> no, no, I have not blacked out yet. I have, the caffeine's helping with that. Just want to make sure you're you're still with us. Absolutely. really appreciated Hearing some of your tips and tricks, having seen you present, I could visualize you asking a question, you pausing. So now that I know all the tricks of the trade, curious as to receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. Receiving feedback can be difficult. I think for some of us, receiving positive feedback is even difficult. Mm -hmm. But positive or negative feedback, so important when honing our skills. Can you share an instance where feedback significantly improved some of your presentation techniques? Absolutely. So one of the first presentations that I gave when I started down the road of an administrator, I had a very structured presentation. I talked the entire time. There was admittedly limited engagement. It was a little cut and dry. And I had someone who was an expert presenter who I've been working with for quite some time who's at the back of the room. And after the presentation, he came up to me and he gave me the single best piece of advice I've ever gotten from anyone as far as talking in front of groups of other people. And he said, structure it in a way such that you're having fun, because if you're having fun, they're having fun. And if you're having fun, it sort of flows through you, right? People can tell you're enthusiastic, you're interested in the material, and that's going to come out. So the best piece of advice I've ever gotten, and it was constructive feedback, and I absolutely took it to heart, is if you're having fun, they're having fun. Have you given that feedback to other people? I, I certainly have. Have you worked with other people on their presentation styles? I do. I work. I work with students. I've worked with colleagues that have uh, had some trepidation in terms of their presentation ability. And I've actually really enjoyed doing it because when I see people who are early in their career who are just starting to present, I see myself. That's where I was. And so it's nice to be able to, again, tell them the things that people told me at that point, or maybe that people didn't tell me that I learned much later that really helped me a lot. I think it's great that you're completing the circle and helping others as others had helped you. What's one of the most memorable presentations you've ever made? One of the most memorable presentations I've ever made was to a, it was at a conference. I was co-presenting with a colleague of mine and I was presenting a topic that was particularly unpopular. And that was actually a lot of fun because we knew the resistance that we were going to get ahead of time, and we had answers prepared for it. And when you're presenting something that's very controversial, the level of engagement goes way up here. You don't actually have to fight for it. They come to you. And it's and it's great. It's energizing. And I think by the end of the presentation, we had sold them on the concept. It was a particularly controversial 
uh, issue that we knew wasn't going to be wildly embraced by everyone. We knew we were going to get some pushback on it, and we prepared adequately, and, and it was a lot of fun to kind of get them to come with us on the journey of seeing it our way. A little sad that we're not allowing you to stand during this interview because you are getting very, like you just got very, very excited about that memory. It is extremely hard for me <laughs> to present sitting down. You might have said that before we started, but we're, you know, we're, we're just going to keep it. going. No, <laughs> absolutely. No, no, no. I, I, it's, it's, it's fun. So we mentioned earlier that um, your hair might get brought up. And- I see. You know, if if we have to try this, I'm, I'm trying the things that you all said that you wanted, and you tried to make me the IT person here. So it's hard to be the IT person, though, when you're describing your fabulous hair. You know, our voiceover guy is still a little irritated that he doesn't have fabulous farmer hair. I can only thank my dad. How's that for IT? You wanted studio audience laughter, and you got it. It's a dream come true. So we bring up your hair for good reason, because we learned during COVID, we have to pivot and adjust for different, not just presentation styles, but even delivery aspects. So let's talk about virtual formats. When we're talking about this increased demand for virtual conferences and meetings, aside from preparing your fabulous hair, how have you adapted your approach for your presentations for online audiences? Absolutely. So the tips and tricks and things that work when you're in person in terms of getting engagement don't translate completely into a virtual world. So there are other things that you need to do in a virtual space to be able to be able to elicit that engagement. I mean, obviously, there's you know the chat bar that every platform has. The other thing that I found particularly helpful is to use breakout sessions. There can sometimes be a little difficult to manage given the uh, various platforms that we have. Um, I find uh, Zoom to be quite good, but having breakout sessions where you actually put people in groups, you send them out and then they report back whatever they discussed, I think encourages engagement a lot and also provides better feedback for you because I don't know, I don't know if this is true for you, but certainly true for me. If I'm presenting something online, I can't tell if people are really getting it. Breakout sessions will allow you a space to be able to get that feedback on, are they following me or or, are they taking this to the place where I really thought they would? And so I've found them extremely effective and of course, using the, the chat functionality as well. Great advice. Yeah. So as you are going through this DBA process, I guess you must be wondering what are some of the trends in terms of research that is emerging and how will that impact presentation in the future? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the trend I've seen is that research presentations in general are becoming a lot more interactive. It's a lot less, I have a PowerPoint presentation, I'm going to give you the PowerPoint presentation, hold the questions until the end. What I'm seeing emerge a lot more is it's a conversation along the way with the group that you're presenting to. And I think that helps a lot in terms of engagement, but that's that's sort of the trend that I've been seeing. And that, that causes people to need to change their style a little bit, but I think it's certainly something that is for the better. Reflecting on your personal experiences and how you've developed, you've mentioned Toastmasters, what key piece of advice would you give to DBA students who are looking to master presentation skills? I think having a trusted person in the room who is willing to give you constructive feedback is critical. 
you're going to receive feedback, but it's something else to receive feedback from a person who you trust their opinion a lot and who you know is willing to tell you those things that you do that you're not aware of. There's so many things, you know, the ums and the ahs and the space fillers and all the other sorts of things that people do when they present that they don't realize that they're doing. You've got to find someone who's willing to give you that feedback that you trust. So Franklin, you've presented us with so many great points as to what we can do, you know, starting out with a question, making sure that you have that moment to pause, all of these wonderful things. If you were to provide one key takeaway for our audience today, what would that be? The biggest key takeaway is that engagement really is the coin of the realm when you're talking about presentations. And you've got to be mindful of the level of engagement that you're getting with the group that you're presenting to and keep that top of mind as you're presenting. And I know that's a very difficult thing to do because you're thinking about the material, you're thinking about the time that you have to talk, you're thinking about all these other sorts of things. But the really the thing that you should be looking at is how much engagement am I getting? And your ability to be able to measure that in real time only comes with practice. So somebody's going to start that DBA program and they come to you and they say, well, we have a presentation. It's for our methods class and that's coming. It's going to be at the end of the first semester. And this is major. What are you going to tell that student? Obviously, practice with someone that you're very comfortable with, that you're willing to be vulnerable with. Memorize the first three sentences that you're going to say, because you're going to be very nervous when you first get up there, right? So you, you have that to lean back into. Once you get past those three sentences, if this is something that you're genuinely interested in and you created the material, the rest of it really will flow. And then always sort of have your closer ready to go. The three sentences you're going to say at the end, script the first three sentences, script the last three sentences, understand the material and be willing to be flexible as you move through the presentation. And have someone that you can work with that can help you with that process. That sounds like great advice. Franklin, this has been really helpful. I know that I found it useful. I'm sure our listeners will too. And so thank you very much for being here this afternoon after a long Friday and also sharing all of those insights with us. I'm happy to do it. Thank you. And so that leads us to extensively professional voiceover guy. This is Amy. And on behalf of our guest, Franklin, as well as my co-hosts, Val and Kelly, we are signing off for another edition of DBA Chronicles. We'll talk to you soon. And that wraps up another insightful episode of DBA Chronicles. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, this isn't just a podcast. It's a community, a hub for sharing, learning, and growing together. If today's episode resonated with you, don't forget to subscribe and be part of our ever-expanding DBA Chronicles family. Until next time, keep pushing boundaries, stay curious, and may your DBA journey be filled with knowledge, connections, and unparalleled success. This is DBA Chronicles signing off.